Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Thursday edition of The Drive Got a feeling it may not be as, uh, maybe it, it won't be quite as exciting as yesterday's. I mean, yesterday, Dan wasn't here. You know, Dan, remember the, the old days? It seemed like it was Wednesdays. I'd take off and there'd be a coaching change. Remember or, that? Or I remember we were at, how about this as a throwback? Drew, the music's too loud. Uh, the, the, how about Hibachi Express? Remember, Bill? I think it oh, was yeah. when, we, I think that we were there when we found out Tuberville and Tony Franklin. We were there both times when that news broke, and I want to say both on Wednesdays. I'm saying back, back in 08. I'm I am saying I was scheduled to have been off on those days. It was one of those times when I needed to work Monday because of games from the weekend. Needed to work Friday, and it's like okay, I'll take Wednesdays. So off. did something happen? And something well, seems to. To happen on Wednesdays, that was quite a flashback. It had been a while since something like that happened. This time, you were the one that wasn't here. You were telling me you didn't get the news until about an hour, almost an hour and a half later. It, it happened to break right when I go into a you know a, a a booth or a situation where it's tough to get to me for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, unless it's urgent and it relates to the Troy broadcast. When I'm, I mean, we start the broadcast 15 minutes before the game. Right. And I would say 15 minutes before that, between finishing up the coach's interview. Oh, you're getting, yeah, and you're, getting, you're, my you're getting everything ready for last, the broadcast. Last looks and making right. sure the connection, which by the way, to, you know, we had to, we had to fix up, which is, which is something, Bill, you've been there for when, a, a last-second internet problem pops up for a mm-hmm. connection that requires or a broadcast that requires the internet. So I was dealing with all of that, and I didn't look at my phone until halftime when uh, w- when I decided, oh, let's let's take a look and see what other scores are are out there to to report on for halftime, and if there's been some news. Maybe I'll pass that along. I thought I was going to talk about Pete Carroll. Oh, so at least you got it at halftime. I was wondering about. I got, that. I got Good. it, I got it at the end of halftime when I looked at my phone. So <laughs> that that would be tip off at five fifteen. So that would be probably right right around, uh, you know, close to the six o'clock hour. You know, probably a little bit. You know, five five thirty five five forty is when I looked at my phone and saw. How many text messages there had been? A couple of missed calls. I, am, I, I, I checked am Twitter, sure. and I found out, including the the group chat that we had going on here with station employees, mm-hmm. right, which was discussing oh, yeah. the uh, news as well. Steve wanted to make sure you guys had seen it, right, for the show, in, in case. I think we got it. I mean, as a matter, it, it was crazy. Well, I was in the middle of. I, love- I was in the middle of asking Jason Caldwell about uh, something, maybe Jalen Williams, and and Jason just turned his phone around. And I see Vince McMahon with the uh, tag, are you serious? And it's like, that's all I could see. And he turned it right back, and I went, 
breaking news. And and then he said, Nick Saban is retiring. And it's like, wow. There Now, obviously, there had been, you know, there, there had been rumors of that for years. I mean, people had been thinking, oh, when he turned 60, when he turned 65, when he turned 70. Uh, and then oh, I think every year for the last few seasons, we've gone into the offseason thinking this could you, be the year. Well, well, you could have. Yeah, it could be the Rolling Stones, especially right? if you're an Auburn fan. It, it, well, no, it, it will <laughs> either. You could have an announcement like the one we got yesterday or you could get an announcement that this was his last year. Right. Or he would take. I a, just never felt I no. never felt that Nick Saban wanted to do a farewell tour. No. And I don't think Nick Saban, he seems he seems like he would he would be especially uncomfortable yes. with the Derek Jeter slash Kobe, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. Everybody gives you a gift in your last appearance at this stadium, and everybody puts a weepy message on screen about how much you mean to this. Not look, and if anyone would deserve something like that of the in, in the modern era, it would be Nick Saban. Oh, you're right. And he would get exactly would. that, and everyone would make a gift, right, related to whatever. Like, all, all that stuff you've seen mm-hmm. for a farewell tour in sports, Nick Saban would have gotten that and deserves it. Instead, he's going out this way, which is a... Which was rather, I mean... It, it seemed like the it most important thing. rather to, sudden. On, on brand for him. It seemed like the most important thing in the moment was that his players and coaches heard it from him. That like is that, true. That but seemed I mean, to be the thing, and maybe that sped up the urgency of it all, but he really did not want it to be something that they found out about on TMZ. Or oh no! Found out about no, on no. Twitter, not uh, at and, all. And so, and so, he really moved. It sounds. It sounds like he moved quickly to to make sure that was was going to be the case. And and was it was there a was there a postponement of the meeting? I, I read no. that somewhere, or was there, maybe that's maybe that's urban legend. But uh, no, so, so folks had known that there was. I mean, there is normally there is normally a meeting uh, right at the first day of classes. And I think some, I think quite a few folks thought, well, that's all it is. There were other, there was other, other buzz. But the thing that is, the thing that is really intriguing to me, and I wonder if we will, if we will ever really know this, was there something that, that just at, you know, two o'clock yesterday or so just spurred Nick Saban to go, okay, that's it. Because uh, people who know, Say there were, he was interviewing assistant coaches on Tuesday, and he had an interview, had a Zoom interview with a candidate for the wide receivers coach yesterday late morning. So going into lunch, he's interviewing for a, a coach to be to to be hired on his staff publicly, and then four hours later, he's telling his team. That he's retiring publicly and privately, it seemed like all indications were that Nick Saban was going to come back for at least yes. one more, se- at least one more season. I, I I don't know anyone who covers Alabama or who is follows Alabama closely who wasn't surprised at the news. And, I mean, not maybe not shocked, but I think everyone had the feeling it's not going to be today. Because of the way things were going this week. And I think while it would be irresponsible to speculate as to why, it would seem like Nick Saban at some point in the last 48, 72 hours had a change of heart and decided Mm -hmm. not to be a college football coach anymore and decided to step away after 17 seasons 
with Alabama. I have no idea, but no, I, absolutely. That's the thing. I, it, I wonder if we'll know. Now he did. You know, he had an interview today with uh, with Reese Davis on ESPN, and he said that you know the the um, the rumors of health issues with either himself or his wife were totally unfounded. That they're both healthy. That was not a factor in his decision. And that that is very good to hear. Let me ask you. I mean me, that that is that's very good to hear. I know I know there'll be some people that go, uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, whatever, be be a jerk about it. But no. Okay. Uh he he if anyone has earned the right to a a healthy retirement, it's it's Nick Saban. Well no and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you are also someone who has earned a healthy retirement and you are in going Boy, to Boy I, I will never never claim to have worked Anywhere but, a fraction as hard as Nick Saban. But you've got retirement coming in, yeah, in, in the weeks. In the, let me ask you this. Could you envision, you specifically, as someone who is, is, is going to retire soon, could you sympathize, empathize, whichever one is correct? I, I always get them wrong. But can, could you see a scenario where Nick Saban, at his age, looks back on the most recent season or the most recent couple of seasons and and thinks this is more grueling than ever before. Sure, he it he, is, he said as much. It just is more a couple de- of weeks it, ago. It is more demanding than ever before not just physically but also in the amount of time that he spends. There is there is no downtime anymore for college head coaches. He is a grandparent. You've yep. also become a grandparent fairly recently. I imagine that is playing some role in, you know, in in like it could it could play well, sure. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think sure. more more time more time yeah. with the uh, with the grandchild or grandchildren, Absolutely. I mean, there's no question so, about that. So yeah, so I, so I think and and it and look and and I think it could be as simple as that. Like we again, we don't know yeah. until he decides to. Oh, you know, it's, it's it's. I think it's a combination of it all. And then here we go again. People it's think the it's start, like the gold case. Think, think of it in, like this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the start of the semester. You know how you know how I feel about the start of the semester. I do know how you feel about the it. It is crazy, and I'm not dealing. I'm not dealing with 85 scholarship players and a coaching staff. I'm dealing with a few. You know, full-time and part-time employees, and and about thirty students that are supposed to be working, doing some things. But I'm not responsible for everything. If one of them does something that gets themselves in trouble, eh, it's it. You know, I, I don't expect to be involved in it in any way. There aren't a lot of radio shows and blogs following the day-to-day happenings at your office. No, there thank inside. God. Right. But uh, but but no, I mean just. Just thinking about, you know, at at our age, if you will, and here we go. It's the start of the semester, and God, oh, crap. Here we go. And now I'm, uh, I've got to go in. Here are all my new players. The Alabama's entire signing class is enrolled. So all the freshmen, you've got to go over everything that, that you want them to do and you expect them to do, knowing now that there is nothing to hold them after – after one year, you 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 can't count on developing these players, and you know that they're all wanting their playing time. They're wanting their share of the NIL. They've got all that. You're trying to add assistant coaches, and you're you're going. You know the the conference is changing, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. We're going to change the playoff, and you've got grandkids wherever. You've got this beautiful uh, estate in South Florida. And you know, I can see where at lunch you just go. It's not worth it. I need I need time for me and my family. You know, I remember was it this past media? It was this past media days. 
something he said that really struck me. And now that he's retiring after this season, I, I'm thinking about it a little bit more. And it was when he talked about the trip to Italy, right? Uh-huh. And, he, and he's like, I couldn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to because I was worried about the upcoming season. Yeah. And no. I and 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 my my uh, Miss Terry mm-hmm. made him, you know, forced him to sort of disconnect and and think about and, and it's like imagine all the places they probably want to go that have had to take a back seat to and again I'm not to, not to make I'm not trying to make him a terribly sympathetic figure because he's been a highly successful football coach who is set his, I mean he yeah. and his family are, are set exactly. for generations but, but I imagine there are some things that have you know that, that he's had to sacrifice Absolutely. as far as what he wants to do to in order to continue this Alabama football machine uh you know and and keep it going the way it is and so yeah i i wonder how much of the, and we don't know what happens behind closed doors and things but maybe there's some more of those trips planned oh in, i in the, i, in the I near would future. sure i would sure think so and does and it's you, interesting does he strike you as a tv guy yes yeah i think yeah. so i think he's very comfortable yeah very comfortable doing that you may not be comfortable being interviewed all the time about uh, different, you know, different parts of the games he's just coached, yeah. but no, I think he's comfortable on the other end. I don't see him as some, and again, I don't know. I'm bad at predicting what ESPN's going to do, but like the thought of him, goofing, I don't see him. I don't see him putting uh, putting other teams' mascot heads I, on. Yes, the thought of him, but sitting, I can see him being a huge part of of the, you know. Pre and post game. Him shows. sitting next to McAfee and goofing off on Saturday mornings doesn't strike me as terrible. I don't know, but you know what? He seems he seems to sort of like he seems to sort of like messing with them now. He does, but but I could also I I could just see him as like the the guy during whatever the big game is, right? Like whatever your game of the week is. I think I think he's may, got maybe I, pre halftime and post, and not during the game. I'm but. looking. I'm actually looking forward to seeing. Because from some people that that have been able to be a little closer to him, they say he's got a really quick, sarcastic wit that he doesn't get to use very much, except at the media at times. But I'd sort of like to see the loosened, the the loose Nick Saban cutting up just a little bit. I still, I still think he's somewhat image conscious, right? You know, he's got a lot of. I think, he's got, I think to a he's point, got, he's got. You've seen the videos got, of him dancing. Oh, though. sure. Like, no, he's someone who likes to have a good time, and <laughs> and is uh, and, and I think uh, uh, if if I were if I were any of the networks presenting college football, oh, you'd you'd be. I would think be, there's a, you'd be battling like crazy to I try would to rather, get him. And again, again, there are demographics at stake here and stuff. But there was there were reports about all the money Fox paid Tom Brady. While right. he was still a player, to 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 one day, I think it's maybe this upcoming season. I forget. It I is forget when, when when Tom Brady will join the Fox. Nick's a more proven. Nick's a more proven commodity. You know, they're in front of the cameras during you know, uh, you know, pre post, and then you know during some national championships. I think for there. the next four or five years, I would rather have Nick Saban than Tom Brady on my broadcast, as far as adding credibility, well, especially to, for college football. I but mean, even in the, even at the NFL, yeah. Nick Saban was an NFL oh, coach right. who, who absolutely knows. What he's talking about, and would command like I, I don't know. I think he would now. He would he would probably need to be with an established play by play guy, sure. and it would be. But I think that would be look. Give me give me Nick Saban and Al Michaels, and tell me that wouldn't feel like a really really big game or something something along those lines, right? Like those. Yeah. You know, I, I just I think, wonder if he wants to 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 be a color commentator or just be an analyst, just be part of the panel. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think he'd be more comfortable doing that. All right, we're just underway here with the Thursday drive. And we'll get into who's next, 
Um, which which direction do you think Alabama will some go? Names, some names you can cross off the list. Apparently. Yeah, I, right now, I mean, the names today aren't the same as the names yesterday at the top of the list. The the odds last night when I was recording the Observer podcast, checking a couple of of, of the books, the odds last night for the favorites were Lanning. Kiffin. Lanning and Lane, right? I saw I saw Lanning, Kiffin, Sark, and Dabo. Yeah, and I sort, and, the, and, the, and, and they I seem think, to be ahead of the rest of the pack. I I I would say, well, Lanning and Lanning has come out and emphatically said no. He's not. He's not leaving. Oregon. You've said to me off the air, you'd be stunned if Sark expressed interest. In I would. I mean, I think he's got a great situation right now at Texas who has more resources than Alabama does, and he wouldn't be following the greatest of all time. Texas right now reminds me much more of the situation Alabama was in when Nick came. I mean, now it's a situation in Alabama where the expectations are play for the championship or it's a bust. And they're they're a top five preseason team, most likely with with Quinn Ewers coming back. Yes, that's right. And he just announced that today. That's another thing. I don't think Quinn Ewers announces that today if he thinks that uh, Sark isn't coming back. No, I think I think you're I think you're probably right. I don't know if I don't know if Texas has made a big showing of it the way Oregon right. and now now Florida State have have put out things on social media. To, I well, still I I believe Florida State. With it. I still think I think Mike Norvell is someone to keep a close eye on. Although I think that if Norvell is seriously considering the jump, the social media move today was a little unnecessary. He he's posted something in the last two hours that sort of makes it seem like. He's he's not a contender for jobs right now, and he's uh, and and he's staying at Florida State now. Look, Alabama I, could overwhelm. I, I, rec- I recall Nick Saban not on social media, but but pretty much saying the same thing. But the, but the season was still going on I when know. Nick Saban did it. Like I just think that's that's a thing where like man, look, you never know. But I, I I thought Norvell was a real contender, and and I'm uh, let me see if I can if I can find the exact. Uh, the the exact thing that I'm 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 refer- maybe, maybe we go to break and we'll talk. Yeah, about it we need back. to. We're running a little behind. Just getting underway. Love for you to join in. You can give us a call on the uh, Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You can also text the show three three four five six four eighteen forty on the Drive text box. That's open twenty four seven. By the way, the podcasting fans who want to chime in with uh, with something, you can uh, you can text the show that way, or uh, you, you can. And speaking of the podcast, you can listen to that. Uh, however you listen to podcasts, go to your favorite podcasting platform or go to ESPNAU.com and use the Podcast Center. And that's all presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We're right back. Love for you to join in here on the Thursday Drive. The Edward Via College of... Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 23 minutes after 4 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan... Here on the uh, drive with Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in anything you want to talk about sports-wise. Man, how crazy is it? The legendary coaches that are no longer uh, at, 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 their, at, their, at their desks, at their jobs in the last 36 hours. The Pete Carroll news feels like it was a long time ago. Oh, we the didn't Pete even Carroll. get to that yesterday. Yeah, well, Pete, I may have mentioned it, but yeah, Pete Carroll, Seahawks, former Super Bowl champion, and, one, one and, of the yeah. only guys to ever win a Super right. Bowl and, uh, and and a college national championship. He's out with Seattle. He, he originally it seemed like he was going to stay 
with the Seahawks in a non-football or a non-coaching role. Right. Now as an may, advisor or now whatever. He, now he may be opening himself up to jobs elsewhere uh, in football with so many head coaching vacancies out there. And another guy who is uh, who is out. It's funny because um, about three or four weeks ago, I was hearing there were there was speculation that Bill Belichick could be out at New England and would then come to Alabama and be an advisor to Nick Saban. Well, he and Nick may be together. But uh, it won't be on the coaching staff at Alabama because uh, Belichick out uh, at New England. I, I want Nick Saban and Bill Belichick to have, like, the grumpiest Manning cast next that, year. That right? would like, be pretty cool. Let those two guys watch big college football games together and just sort of be, be grumpy about what's what, what, what they're seeing out there. But, yeah, Belichick. Do you think Belichick is Belichick's an grumpier than Dave. Do you think Belichick <laughs> is a – yeah, I bet he's grumpier than ever now that he's yeah. not the head coach of the Patriots anymore. Do you think he's a head coach next season in the NFL? I think he is hoping he's a head coach next year. Yeah, a lot of people think that the uh, – so, so the the names, even, and we'll we'll get to some of, some of the Auburn related stuff. Big win last night for Auburn men's basketball, and 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 th- or, or you know Tuesday night. Uh, well, I guess we don't have to get to that. You yeah, to that I mean yesterday. we talked about it a little yeah, yesterday. That's, I was gonna say I, I this is my first show since that game, but uh, no, okay. So with Belichick, uh, Washington, uh, the football team, the 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 NFL team, not the college team. Although they they might be both looking for coaches. Oh, we'll be talking about. We may be. We're going to be talking about the Washington College football team here shortly. Yeah, especially with the with the fact that yeah. Well, anyways, uh, San Diego slash Los Angeles, the the Chargers, uh, they had been mentioned as a as a team for Belichick potentially. Atlanta is an interesting one because Arthur Blank is eighty something years old, and there's talk that he wants. Uh, he he's maybe more aggressive uh, and less patient with wanting the Falcons to win a championship during his lifetime. So uh, maybe Bill Belichick uh, could be, uh, you know, some something that he does to uh, speed up the, uh, you know, to speed up the rebuild in Atlanta and try to get them closer to a championship. But no, I, I think Belichick's coaching uh, in the NFL uh, next year. And we're just looking at the odds for some of the uh, vacancies out there. Harbaugh uh, is the overwhelming favorite to be the next head coach of the Chargers in Los Angeles. So that's another job that could be. I think Michigan's got internal candidates, so that one's not going to be as much of a sweepstakes as this Alabama job appears to be if the Michigan job opens up. But uh, it also could be a very big job uh, possibly changing in, in the next Oh, you're not of, kidding. In, in I mean, if, if, if uh, the national champ, the, the, the reigning national champ, and then you've got Alabama uh, looking, and there have already been schools that have filled their positions. That's the crazy thing. With with Nick Saban, all right. Let's let's leave Jim Harbaugh out of this because it it does appear that that he could be headed back to the NFL. With with Nick Saban retired, who's the best college coach right now? Who is the best coach in college football? As far as uh, who, who, like who would you that? just put at the top mm, of the list? Probably Kirby, right? Wouldn't you think? Because it, I mean, two national championships, nearly got to a third yeah, one. I, I would guess. I would um, guess so. I mean, Dabo would be in the conversation. Dabo's star career, has but, faded over right. the last few years, but and think, based and on you got you got to wonder about someone who doesn't embrace, has not embraced NIL or the transfer portal. Well, let's. I mean, who who in college football right now has a national championship as a head coach? It would be I mean, that, I mean, those guys. I mean, I mean, you, Saban, you I mean if Saban's out and yeah. Harbaugh's out, yeah, your national champions in college football are Kirby Dabo. Uh, Mac Brown. Uh, That's right. I mean, I, and I don't know who else. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody. 
And see, so that's what Alabama is looking at right now. I mean, the expectations Jimbo, are there. Jimbo's out too. Jimbo would have been he on is. that list. Jimbo's out. So. Um, I mean, Alab- the, the Alabama fan base is going to expect a big splash, and the expectations for whoever it is are going to be higher than they've ever been for for a for a head coach. Brian, I mean, Brian Kelly's played for national championships, but he hasn't, but he won, hasn't one. won one. No. Chip, Chip Kelly has played for national championships, but he hasn't won one. Gus Malzahn played for a national right. championship, didn't win. One. Is that could that possibly be right? There are three. There are only three guys. I think with a, you're right. With a ring well, as a head coach. Well, four with Harbaugh, but with I Harbaugh, mean, who, who seems like he's going to be an NFL coach. Yes. In a matter of days, like that's, yeah. So, so that is so that is what's before Greg Byrne is who is the best coach he can get, and it needs to be a fit. But as we were talking, you know, Mike Norvell, Florida State, the other name that has moved to the top of the list since yesterday is the coach who played for the national championship and didn't come away with the ring. This year, and that's Kalen DeBoer of Washington. Yeah, who, who was a Fresno State coach a couple Man, of years ago. He's his, been... his career record is ridiculous: one hundred four wins and twelve losses in his career as a head coach, and, and three of those came in the COVID year when he was three and three. Yeah, it was a and, and was also at uh, the University of Sioux Falls before making the jump. Yeah, that's that's his alma mater. Yeah, w- w- before make, making the jump into uh, in, into Division One football. But no, crazy to think that a guy who in 2016 was the quarterback coach at Eastern Michigan could be you know he, he could rise to the point where now he, he's he's uh, a serious candidate to be Nick Saban's replacement at the University of Alabama. But if he's not, regardless, Kalen DeBoer, I know he has not signed a. Um, uh, uh, and a new contract with Washington, he's going to be making a lot more money next year than he ever dreamed of making. Yeah, and he and he learned among his among the many stops during his sort of ascension to where he is now. Uh, I'm a huge Jeff Tedford fan. You know, guy from back in right. the Cal days. That, that's really the the only name that he had been associated with in his in his coaching career. Right. Two years as as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Jeff Tedford's team at Fresno State mm-hmm. uh, before uh, before coming back and becoming uh, the uh, the the head coach there. And and that's uh, no the, this guy has been largely uh, you know it, like, like you said it hasn't really been he's in the never south. been anywhere in the south I guess Illinois was is about that, as far east as he's got correct, Michigan if I'm wrong but that that was also true of Saban when he got to LSU right uh, that is tr- true I mean he's from, he was from West Virginia and then and then moved over to Michigan State and I guess folk, came down folks would SEC. also say that was true of Urban Meyer when when he got right. to, when he got to Florida and Brian Harson yeah no Auburn fans will Auburn fans will say and yeah neither had Brian Harson <laughs> so so you know there's uh, there's you know, you never you never know which way that could go, but uh, certainly in demand, and it would be an interesting uh, it would be an interesting. Movement. Well, he seems to be the most uh, probably attainable and at the least expensive buyout. Plus, you know, he's making less than most of the other candidates that we've heard about. If the search goes into next week, then there will be some lot a lot of folks that will be disappointed because I have seen and heard multiple reports that the players were told that there would be a new coach in place within 72 hours. We're 24 hours removed now. Oh, by the way, Ferg, Ferg next segment. We're gonna, oh, good. We're, we're going to call Justin, talk, talk with him about things going on. But uh, if, if the search goes into next week and Houston loses this weekend, 
I do wonder if D'Amico Ryans gets a look. Alabama grad. Oh, a- absolutely. Current, now he's got a he's got a playoff game this weekend to get ready for. He can't be flirting with his alma mater. I just but, I, I wonder how much. I mean, you talk about the demand on a college coach and someone who's never never been a coach at the college level. I I wonder. I, I wonder. I'm I'm sure he loves his alma mater, but I just wonder. And it if he'd like look they, at that and go, that's a little much. Sounds like they love him too. Oh yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot. You know, he's very popular. I just want. I just wonder if he's. Uh, if, if yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, that's it, a that's a question for next week. I you know I wonder who was in mind when the players were told, "Be patient, don't jump into the portal. We should have someone in place in seventy two hours," because as Jason Caldwell mentioned yesterday. Every player on the Alabama roster can enter the portal. They have 30, they have 29 more days to be entering the portal. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. We'll check in with Justin Ferguson on the other side. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my last day on the show for a while, too. Oh, you're uh, back. You're, you're not here tomorrow, are you? No, no. Okay. We will be hopefully getting near Fort Lauderdale tomorrow. Don was wondering if you might need him tomorrow. Um, he I, said he's he said he's available if 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 you if you like. So, I mean, just we'll we'll talk about it uh, because right I now I like that idea. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, right now though, we need to get to the uh, drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. Welcome in our regular Thursday. He's usually here in the studio with us, but a uh, little under the weather. Uh, has has when I didn't see him at the basketball game the other night, I thought, oh, something bad. I think he's something ba- I think he's back. On. I think I think I'm there's, glad, this glad is more, to hear that. More schedule and to find out as as we welcome in uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Ferg, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing a lot better. Uh, I uh, had a uh, came up with came down with something when I was in Arkansas, and well, that yeah, can happen. The, that can happen game, out missed there. Missed the game. Yeah, <laughs> missed the game Tuesday night, and. Uh, just now, I mean, like today, I'm. At, I mean, I'm at basketball practice right now. That's why. That's why I'm not in the studio uh, with y'all. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like this is the first time I've been outside of my apartment since Sunday night. So you know, it's it's. I've, I I wanted to keep everybody as safe as possible, but I'm back on my feet. So looking forward, looking forward to. Uh, to getting back into the swing of things here soon. I believe the Steven Soderbergh uh, pandemic movie begins with a, a guy getting too close to pigs. Right, and so yeah, you know, hope, hope, yeah it does. Hope, hopefully, all is well, uh, Justin, as as you uh, as as you uh, convalesce, and uh, and and it's great to uh, yeah. So so feel feel like you'll be good enough for, uh, for 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 Saturday's game. Yeah, yeah, I should be back, you know, ready to roll for Saturday's game. I'm I'm here at the arena right now. Auburn's getting going with practice right now. So what yeah, a feeling, feeling better. What a start to conference play for this uh, for, for this Auburn men's basketball team. I mean, we we talked. When the season before the season started, I remember talking with Bruce about A and M and Arkansas in that first week, and how Auburn will have an excellent idea uh, after the first week as to whether or not they have a team that can compete with upper echelon, top half of the league kind of teams. And while the A and M game, 
I think people might think the game was more one-sided than it was based just on the final score. Uh, the fact is Auburn has passed uh, Auburn has passed every test so far in league play. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Arkansas doesn't look like a team that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, they lost to Georgia last night. Uh, it's, it's been a really rough start for them this year. But you know, as Texas A&M team, um, you know, SEC preseason player of the year and Wade Taylor picked to finish second in the league. I mean, this team this team's really, really good. Buzz Williams has had Auburn's number. Um, they had won, what, like five out of their last six against the Tigers. And to, to win a game where you did not shoot very well for deep, I mean, this game could have very much gone like the App State game where it was like, well, Auburn's outside shot wouldn't fall and it's going to be hard for them to win this one. Um, they had to they had to really grind it out, and I thought winning with defense. You know, during this winning streak, Auburn is you know, is putting up crazy good numbers on offense, lighting up the scoreboard. But to win a game with defense, with rebounding, clutch free throw shooting, uh, Jani Broom especially did a really good job in that aspect. Uh, and then just finding a way to just pull it out at the end. I mean, that's that says a lot because this team can beat you in a variety of ways, um, and. Winning ugly defensive kind of rock fights, there are going to be nights like this in the SEC. And I think it's also pretty telling, also that you know for Auburn, you've got you're, you're you started two and zero against some teams that you know really have given you trouble over the last few seasons. Um, college basketball. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if uh, anybody, everybody listening knows this. Everybody's going down this this week. Yeah, um, no in, the, in the country, just a ton of. Yeah, the four of the top five teams have already gone down. A plenty more in the top fifteen or sixteen have lost as well. And so for Auburn just to take care of business, I think says a lot about where this team is right now. They're in a really, really good spot compared to a lot of teams in the country, and it shows with the way they're playing. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, Jason Caldwell and I were were talking about this yesterday before we were so rudely interrupted by Nick Saban. But uh, I, I really, I really felt that. That Tuesday night was was really uh, good for Auburn. They needed a game like that. When you play yeah. Texas A and M, you're gonna get that kind of game. They're gonna be physical. Sure. They're gonna. It's gonna be a game that's never really comfortable because that's the way they played. But Auburn had won so comfortably for a few games. I, I really felt they needed a test and a game that uh, they needed to win close. And that game. That game was uh, very much close after A&M came back, took the lead, and was, was leading, and we had a few lead changes down the stretch. I thought that was really good for Auburn to be able to withstand that and then put it away there at the end. Yeah, and I think it showed a lot of poise from this team. You know, Bruce said after the game uh, the other night, he said he looked at him during the timeout and said, look, guys, we're in, we're in a good position to win this game. He said, that's all we, need to, that's all we can ask for against a team like A&M, you know, a team that they have struggled with for the last several seasons, even really, really good Auburn teams to struggle with A&M. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's huge. And, and I also think, you know, you, you made the point that they trailed there in the second half. That was the first time they had trailed in the second half of any game since the App State Yeah, uh, it, it, Remarkable, right? Like, they have been so used to just kind of, you know, blowing teams out and getting to the point where we were just kind of looking around and being like, okay, are they just going to finish well? I mean, they're going to win, but are they going to finish well? And so to have a game like that, there's going to be more games like this. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if your Tennessee games look like that. I wouldn't be surprised if the LSU game on Saturday has some aspects of that because LSU is really good on the defensive side of the floor. Um, so I think, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, Bill. Like, this is this is huge for this team to kind of get it, um, you know, get a win like this. Um, 
and, and just know that they can win without shooting the ball very well. I think that says a lot about where this team is and, and this defense in particular. This is a defense that right now top five in college basketball. And, I mean, we spent most of the preseason talking about how, you know, we didn't know what Auburn's defense was going to look like this year. I tell you, I mean, they, they, keep, they continue to answer the bell, um, you know, on that end of the floor. And that A&M game, I mean, how many stops did they have in a row, um, you know, to, you know, A&M didn't score in the final 9-15 yeah, that's from crazy. the field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just how many times did they go up and it's one-and-done possession, get a stop, force a turnover, you know. It, it, that, it's that kind of basketball, you know, I think that they could really take Auburn a very long way this year. It's the number of one-and-done possessions. I'm glad you said that, Justin, because that, that was the thing to me against the team that came in leading the nation in offensive rebounding, to be able to hold them to, you know, it, there were so many possessions where A&M took the shot they didn't really want to take, and Auburn was there for the defensive rebound, and a low-percentage shot defensive rebound possession over and over again, that wears on teams. You know when when that's when that's what they're getting, and uh, we've we've mentioned the improvement in defensive rebounding and overall rebounding you're seeing from this Auburn team, which is among the surprises there. It's that you bring back Jalen and Janai and and Dylan Cardwell from from last year's team, who I believe were the top three rebounders on last yep. year's team. Maybe Flanagan was in was in that mix as well, but but the team has has taken a big jump there and. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as you know, what what they were what they were able to do, I think that they're as, as great as it is to beat teams by twenty or thirty in conference play, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you probably want to have experience winning a close game, you know, if you're yep. gonna if you're gonna do what this team is is set out to do, because you you might have one the next time you take the court, you might play a game where you need to execute in the final two minutes. Uh, to win, mm-hmm. and the more often you do that, the better prepared your team is. And, you know, UConn won every game in the tournament last year by double digits. Doesn't happen all the time, right? Like, usually, right. usually your, your postseason games uh, come down to uh, who, who can avoid mistakes and, and who seems more comfortable at, at the very end of close games. Yeah, I mean, you go back two years ago, Auburn, you know, have, having this SEC championship team, but, you know, a team that, that – fell apart in, in, in some late-game situations and weren't able to finish, you know, some, some wins that would have made them even better. That year, last year, this Auburn team struggling away from home, and then they go and just blow the doors off Arkansas in the second half. And then this year, with some new pieces, they're showing some really good late-game, um, you know, closing, which is something they haven't had, hadn't been tested on very much this year. Um, so, I mean, I think it just it, it, it's just these kind of – aspects of this team that continue to stand out they're like man it's it's hard to see a weakness in this team doesn't mean they're going to be perfect doesn't mean they're going to win every game that they play but it's tough to scheme up kind of what kind of matchup is a problem for this team because I think A&M A&M you know in the way they play in the style that they play was a matchup problem for Auburn coming in and yet you still win that game by 11 so I mean that I think that really tells you a lot about you know, the way this team has really come together. Um, it's balanced, it's deep, it's unselfish, and uh, you can tell the guys are really, I think on the defensive end of the floor, they're just really having fun playing defense, and you know that that's exactly what Bruce Pearl, that's the type of mentality and culture he's wanted to instill in his teams every single year. I think this team's a great example of that. You mentioned uh, LSU could be a challenge. I think a lot of folks have already, you know, 
looked looked on down the road to uh, to find the next game that might be uh, competitive. But LSU surprised. I mean, they yeah. they, they surprised A and M to start the season. They're they're what ten and five now, two and zero oh in the conference. Yeah, absolutely. And since Jalen Cook, uh, the the transfer from Tulane, has been ruled eligible. Um, they're four and zero, or since he's been in the starting lineup, at least. Uh, you know, he is he makes a ton of difference for that for that team. Um, and this A and M team, or I'm sorry, this LSU team, awesome on the defensive end. They force more turnovers than anybody in the SEC. Um, they've got long athletes. They they will press. They will they will probably watch the A uh, and M film and try to do a lot of the things that gave Auburn some some difficulties with their ball handlers, with their passing. Um, it's gonna be a real test. Uh, and and I think. Auburn fans may, you know, if you if you think you you think you can look past this game or what whatever, I'll just I'll just point this out. A and M lost to LSU by more points in their own building mm-hmm. um, than they did to Auburn, you know, here on Tuesday night. So I think that ought to tell you something about this LSU team. They they also took um, went to uh, I believe they went to you know, went to Vanderbilt um, and you know took care of business uh, there in what is. Always a tough place to get a, to get a result. Was, I think they were one of the the four home favorites. Yeah, because on, I, on Tuesday night. I, I can't Bye. imagine I can't imagine the SEC would start them off at three straight road games. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so yeah. So anyway, you know they, they they take care of business against Vanderbilt. They go on back on the road. This is a team that played played some really good teams this year. You look at the teams they've lost mm-hmm. to for the most part have all been really really good. Their last loss came against a came to a really good you know uh, Texas team on a neutral floor. So. Um, this team is not going to be rattled. Um, Matt McMahon's in his second season there. Um, you know, he's got some more continuity. And then, yeah, Cook just kind of makes everything kind of go for this team. They are a different – Bruce Rowe said it today when we were talking to him. He said they're a completely different team now that he is eligible. So, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough matchup. I, I expect Saturday night to be another kind of real competitive, you know, back-and-forth physical battle between Auburn and LSU. The only exception, I think – you know, Auburn and A and M is kind of more of a grind it out, slow it down kind of game. Both of these teams are going to want to speed things yeah. up on Saturday for sure. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, Justin, before we let you go, I mean, uh, obviously the the big talk has been about Nick Saban and some of the head coaches. Auburn's got a couple of vacancies right now at its coordinator spots. Uh, um, any any idea as to when we might hear something? You know, that that's the million dollar question, isn't it? And I think the fact that Auburn you know, hasn't said anything um, here or, you know, hasn't come closer to, to coming up with this. I think they're trying to get everything kind of lined up before they just announce it all at once. And uh, it's, it's interesting because obviously, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the coaching changes elsewhere, um, you know, at Alabama, that's going to, you know, affect, you know, what guys do as assistants at elsewhere. You know, NFL uh, staffs are starting to come together as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you would have thought it would have been you know, kind of sewn up here in the next few days, but I think you're just getting a lot of silence at this point um, and not a whole lot of names have kind of been leaking out. I'm really intrigued uh, by the Zach Arnett talk on a defensive coordinator just because I think if you're looking for a like-for-like type of replacement for Ron Roberts, he makes a ton of sense there. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people really believe that he's a he's a great defensive mind and, and – um, you know, needs another shot in this league. So yeah, keep an eye on that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think we're going to see some movement. The longer this thing drags on, the, ma- the more it makes me think there could be some bigger changes. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, 
I thought they'd have had it all lined up before the big recruiting weekend coming up. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's going to be the case unless unless something changes in the next twenty four hours. Yeah, I thought I thought that, and the fact that the coaching the the coaches convention, uh, you know, is done up in Nashville. I thought, well, right. there, there'd be a lot more. I, I sure wasn't expecting the Saban news, but uh, yeah, we no. will see. <laughs> well, I, uh, great, great place for folks to keep up with everything that's going on with Auburn, though football, basketball, and more is uh, the Observer. Uh, Justin, tell everybody what you yep. know, what you've got coming up, and how they can get it. Yeah, we got a big mailbag tomorrow. We're talking, uh, you know, assistant coaches. Uh, the you know, assistant coach searches a lot of basketball in there as well. We did a podcast. Today, Dan Painter and I, we were joined by Nathan King at 247, where we talked a lot about Auburn's offseason in football and the current basketball run as well. Um, so there's a ton of stuff on the site right now, and we'll have more throughout the weekend. Um, like I said, should be back on my feet and ready to roll uh, for the uh, for the LSU game this weekend. So ton of stuff on Auburn basketball and football at AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there, $60 a month, $60 a year. And whenever we post anything, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast, it goes straight to your email inbox. Great stuff, Justin. Uh, take care, man. Get better. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer joining us here on this Thursday drive. We'll get to our final break. Love for you to join in as we continue. This is Lee County Revenue Commission. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in to hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the Controls. It's one of the rare times lately the three of us are here in the studio, and it won't happen again for a while because I'll, I'll be out starting tomorrow uh, through next week. I'm only missing only missing five total days, though, since uh, Monday is a holiday. There will be no show or no shows on any of the um, no, none of none of the shows that normally run here on ESPN 106.7 from the Max Roundtable on the line and the Drive because of the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Um, but, but yes, I will be uh, – I checked the weather, and, you know, it's going to be bitterly cold here mid-next week. Uh, it's going to be 82 when we get down to uh, – um, for the high tomorrow in Fort Lauderdale, and then going to be 81 for the high when we, uh, uh, when we sail on Saturday morning, and, when, uh, and then, the, then the temperatures in um, – San Juan and uh, St. Martin are supposed to be in the in the mid 80s, so uh, um, I, I I won't be missing the cold weather too much when we go. So anyway, hour number two of the drive here on this Thursday, uh, and we'd love for you to join in anything that you want to talk about sports wise. Hour number two of the drive brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at Ortho Clinic. Dot com And you can join us uh, on the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. That number, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive text box. Presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, however you listen to podcasts. And let's, uh, let's get to the Drive Hotline. And Terry gets us started. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill. Hey, Dan. Good afternoon. How you guys doing? Doing fine. Great. 
Um, I've been sitting back today and listening to the, the and, and then being entertained, I have to say, at some of the names being mentioned for the Alabama job, you know, and, and I can't help but feel there's a little bit of a distraction. Do you, you guys feel like it might be somebody off not being mentioned? Yes. I, I always have that feeling. The names that you hear, it seems like a lot of the times are just sort of smoke screens while they get things ironed out with their real target. That's that's kind of what the feel. I hear Dan Lanning name a lot, but Dan Lanning just got Dylan Gabriel to transfer out to Oregon. Yeah, and Dan Lanning came out pretty emphatically today and, and talked about why he's staying. He'd said that back in December. He said it again today. Um, I don't think it's going to be Dan Lanning. Now, if this is a smoke screen, I think it is. Do you guys have a name in mind? To, it, me, to me, Dabo is a slam dunk. Cause Dabo, I think, I think would love the job now. I think yeah. I think five years ago, Dabo probably stays at Clemson. I think now he comes back to his alma mater. The, the, the sticking point, though, with me is I wonder – if he's at the top of their list now. See, I, th- I think Dabo would have been a slam dunk years ago. Yes. And not all that many years ago. But now, I mean, I, I do wonder how enthused Dabo is about this new era of college football where players can leave after every season and NIL is an outsized factor in recruiting. Uh, and, and if maybe, like I think in, in the previous era of college football where those two things weren't true, Dabo Swinney would have been, if Nick Saban had retired after the 2018 season, mm-hmm. I think Dabo Swinney is the overwhelming favorite to get the job. You know, I, I do wonder. I, I don't know if he would have taken it I, then. I though. wonder if he would have taken That's a fair point. But I, I do wonder now if, and I guess there's also the question of uh, do, do you want to do you want to step into a place where you are going to be under so much scrutiny as the the coach following Nick Saban you know I, I wonder if if that's if that's also deciding for for any of these guys who have what we think of now as good jobs at the moment um yeah I, I think that could be a factor too but I I would I would wonder if Dabo is you know if if, if it's if it's still if it's still the right time for for, for a coach like Dabo at Alabama. You know, Dan, I made this comment today that we're talking about Lane Kiffin. I said the first time Lane Kiffin goes for fourth down on an R41 and turn around loses, the bar- Alabama fans will absolutely barbecue him. Yeah, and, and Lane's been getting a lot of a lot of talk as well. I I don't know Greg Byrne personally. I just it, – it doesn't feel like that would be a good mix. And Lane uh, – I, I don't know that when, when Lane left Tuscaloosa – I don't know that it was on the best of terms. And, hey, Nick was in the office today. So I, even though he had said um, a few years back that he he really didn't want to be involved in his replacement, it's hard not to ask Nick Saban what you but, think about the guy that's taking your spot. Now can, I, can I ask you, Bill, what, what's the flip side of that? What, why is Lane Kiffin at Alabama a good idea? Like, what, why do you think? Cause, cause Lane do, Kiffin has proven he can win. I mean, Lane, Lane has won everywhere he's been. I mean, I know people go, oh, the, those bad times at Southern Cal. The hand he was dealt there, and you, you were out there and saw that. Um, he was turning Tennessee. It was just one year, but Tennessee was better. Um, at the end of his time than they were when he came in. Alabama's offense was better with him. Yes, than it indeed. Was. And and Ole Miss, this is this is as good as it's been for Ole Miss in over a half a century. See, I, so I, I he, kinda... he knows how to win. He knows offense. He's very good at the transfer portal. I wonder how much Lane really cares about kissing the backsides of eighteen year olds though in recruiting. 
Well, that's a great point because he's he's made his living through the transfer portal. Yep. I don't think he's really an aggressive recruiter. And the the thing that you're going to have to be. You're going to have to be to keep this up to Tuscaloosa. Although Ole Miss, Ole Miss has signed, you know, under Lane Kiffin, they have signed some pretty good players. They have. At, out of high school as well. Well, I do think he would make Jalen Miller put up huge numbers. Oh, yeah. Numbers. I don't know if they'd win, but they put up huge numbers. I'm, you know, right now, I mean, I've just been thinking, and it's funny, the football scoop's got these guys up there too, but, I mean, it's it's just felt like Mike Norvell or uh, Kalen DeBoer are, are guys to, to really, really keep an eye on. I appreciate it, guys. You have a great – Bill, take care. Pre- oh, appreciate it, Terry. Thanks. And and Norvell, I mean, to think about the the way folks saw him as being on thin ice for for much of his Florida State tenure, to go from that to well the the shape that Florida State was in when he got there. Yeah, I mean, and and I you know I I think that that's a it's so different. The guy, the guy can recruit, I, and he's a pretty darn good coach. I, I would, think. I mean, I would say the closest thing to this over the last few seasons would be. I mean, Urban Meyer retired at Florida a decade and a half ago, but that—I mean, the the the, final, the search for Urban Meyer's replacement at Florida would be the closest thing to a wide-ranging search where you feel like big national names and you've guys got that to get leave. somebody that can keep you contending for the national championship on a on a regular basis. I mean, we've That's seen, a little pressure. We've seen big moves since then. USC poached yep. Lincoln Riley and LSU poached. Brian Kelly, but as I mean, and, and that that Florida search ended up with uh, Will Muschamp, who was at the time the he the was head the, coach in waiting at Texas yes. for, for Mac Brown, and, uh, and and ended up being the head coach at Florida instead. Florida going with someone I think it surprised people that Florida picked someone who had never been a head coach before, even even if it was a head coach in waiting like Will Muschamp, a highly regarded assistant, ended up getting that job. Remains to be seen if Alabama would go with. You know, I I still kind of think deep down, unless they've got a slam dunk candidate in mind as an outsider, I always kind of thought it would be a former Saban assistant continuing the legacy, you know, that that way, whether whether it was somebody already there internally taking a step up and apparently Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese, according to Football Scoop, is is one of the one of the expected uh, candidates to be interviewed. If you were if you were limiting the list to people who worked for Nick Saban at Alabama, you would look at Sark. You would look at Kiffin. You would look at Kiffin. You would look. You'd at, look at Brian Dable. You'd look at Bill O'Brien. You'd look. I mean, there's, Mike Loxley. Yep. At, at Maryland, who was uh, who was Saban's offensive coordinator for two years before taking the Maryland job. Um, uh, I don't think you'd seriously consider Butch Jones, but he was an analyst. No, I don't think so. He, now he's at Arkansas State. I think I think it would be someone who was a full time. I keep coach thinking, for you know, him. I I just remember how much praise it felt like Nick Saban really liked Bill O'Brien. Like that was the one to me where I remember thinking, and and the, it, I, don't, I can't imagine that would win a popularity contest for Alabama. And I'm not even saying it's a good idea. I just remember there's a lot of difference in being a head coach in an offense. There there is there is, but 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 Bill O'Brien was also somebody who came in. Having been a head coach, uh, having having, oh, yeah. run, having run an NFL organization when he came in to be Nick Saban's offensive coordinator, so that, that's a guy, and, and he's also allegedly a candidate for the Patriots job mm-hmm. as well with Robert Kraft, somebody else who who thinks highly of uh, of Bill O'Brien. So it remains to be seen what a, and and a lot of the problems with Bill O'Brien with the Texans were more personnel, uh, you know, general manager related than than, than football well, coach related. He is but, someone who could be named a head coach within 72 hours. You know, when when we were talking about 
Uh, the players being asked to hang on for 72 hours. He's somebody, I mean, the Patriots are done. You don't have to worry about them, their coaches working this weekend. And he and he might and Nick Saban might have known that on Tuesday when he or on Wednesday when he yeah when, oh he when, did when, know that I mean I, I, I guarantee you he knew that so so yeah maybe that's someone that hasn't been mentioned you talk about a guy if you're smoke screening with some of the college guys the current college guys and and uh, you're going to get a pretty big name he is uh, 54 now so he's not you know totally over the hill or anything. No, and, and people and people might be snarky about some of the low points in his in his career, but uh but, but he's also somebody that I don't know, he's 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 had he's had some he's he's had some good moments too. Mhm. Yeah. So uh we'd love to hear from you what what direction do you think um that Alabama may go? Um who knows? And then hey, we we we'd love some thoughts on what direction do you think Auburn may go for its coordinators? That's sort of almost been just, uh, oh, by the way, Auburn still doesn't have coordinators, and they do have a pretty big junior day coming up this weekend. It is the This is the last weekend, too, that you can get players who are in the transfer portal in and be able to get them enrolled in time to go through spring. The Auburn coordinator thing would be more intriguing to me if the coach were staying as a CEO and whoever the offensive coordinator was going Yeah, to offensive be. coordinator to me is uh, is the best fit with Hugh Freeze who can help recruiting, would you, I think. How important is a strong track record as a regional southeastern recruiter? Yes, I think that is very important. That is probably the most important yeah. characteristic. Which, which isn't usually the case when you're hiring no. an offensive coordinator. No, but defensive coordinator, yeah, I need to see some I need to see some numbers as a defensive coordinator sure. there. 334-321-1390. Guy, guy I always liked, speaking of availability, like talked about somebody you could have here in, in 24, 72 hours. Um I I've always liked Charlie Strong. It's been a long time. Don't see that. Don't see it happening. No. Um, I do wonder where he's going to end up. He was he was an analyst at Saban for, for Saban uh-huh. this past season. I wonder if he ends up coaching somewhere back. back I in, wouldn't be surprised. He'll get a full time gig. I don't know if it'll be as a head coach. Could, could be and could be. A, you know what? And I would think maybe even for a you know for somewhat of a prominent program. You know to, to add yeah. him as a as a position coach. He was, I believe, as a position coach. He's in the linebackers. Outside linebackers category, so the guy I've always yeah he's coached uh, the back seven. I mean was, linebackers and, and secondary. He was Cristobal's linebackers coach at Miami in uh, in, in 2022 before uh, before coming up to uh, uh, to Tuscaloosa. So pro- yeah, pro- probably not an answer at Auburn, uh, but but a name I think could could pop up in the cycle. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the uh, drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. Let's get to it. And Cameron is up first. Hey Cameron. Hey fellas, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Good, yeah. Uh, just uh, kind of trying trying to get uh, all the all the topics in uh, in regards to um, uh, Nick Saban retiring um, and and the uh, new head coach. Uh, first things first, I do not want to be the poor staff who has, who has to come in after Saban and and, and basically fill it, taking over the reins of of arguably the greatest like football coach ever. Now, oh yeah, it's, it's, a- absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The pressure, the expectations, oh, yeah. but but something that was brought up yesterday, and I agree with this, is um, the 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 top candidates for this job are going to be guys yeah. who believe that they can do it, and and I think it's yeah. going to be tough. That's part of the reason why 
for example, Bill, you are pessimistic that Bama could land Sark, right? Because to, to land... He's got too good a gig to right get, now. To get someone to leave something really comfortable, to take the pressure to be Nick Saban's replacement. Like, there's a reason it wasn't a top college football coach leaving to replace Spurrier at Florida. They, they went with an NFL assistant and someone mm-hmm. who knew the territory as a former assistant for Steve Spurrier at Florida. And that's, you know, I, I kind of wonder if, if part of the re- – like the person they hire will be attracted by the possibility of being able to win at Alabama because they probably weren't able to win like that wherever else they were as a head coach. I, I think it'll be a bigger name than Ron Zook was, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then um, in in regards to uh, Auburn's search for uh, both offensive and defensive coordinators, um, I, don't, I don't know about y'all, but I think it's a it's a it's a obvious choice to to uh, um, go ahead and name Charles Kelly as DC because I mean, correct me correct me if I'm wrong, but but when he was hired here, he was he was hired as the co defense defense coordinator, correct? That is what we've heard, but it has not ever been officially announced. Yeah, I'm I mean, not sure it's Auburn just has, has Auburn, Auburn has not Auburn has not officially announced Charles Kelly as being okay. on the staff. He's been working at the complex, so he's here, and he is. Uh, you know, my thing is, if Charles Kelly were going to be the defensive coordinator, there's no reason not to go ahead and have named him. So that has yeah, me thinking, no, that perhaps co-defensive coordinator uh, and recruiting coordinator or something like that yeah. could be. Maybe the, his title. Maybe the Ron Roberts news was supposed to break before the Charles Kelly news, so you don't feel like you're well, hiring. You don't bring him yeah. in, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then um, one last thing before I go, when it comes to the, to, to the search for the offense coordinator, um, I, one name one name I've heard I've heard a lot of people talk about is is uh, Kent Austin. Uh, he was the wouldn't. Wasn't he the uh, wasn't he uh, Hugh Freeze's OC at, at Liberty, Liberty? Yes, yeah, okay. and and, and um, they he, they've been together for a long time. I mean, Kent played and coached at Ole Miss. Then he uh, had a long career. Uh, well, he actually played at Ole Miss and had a long career in the CFL, and then was a head coach in the CFL, and then has been with uh, Hugh Freeze for quite a while. The only thing that that would sort of go against what I was saying as. Uh, I, th- I want someone who's on the same page with Hugh Freeze. That's absolutely Ken Austin, but someone who has a track record as just a dynamic recruiter, and I, and I don't think he fits that bill. Who's the, the um, Knicks? Uh, now, here's the thing. Yeah, we'll I, got a, I got a call from someone last night when there was all the talk about Lane Kiffin, said a holdup for Derek Nix may be in case Lane Kiffin takes the Alabama job, Derek Nix might be the next Ole Miss coach. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for the time. See y'all. Appreciate the call, Cameron. Yeah, Derek Nix has been at Ole Miss since 2008. Under multiple coaches, was there the entire time that that Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss. Yeah, co- coach for uh, Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is currently the receivers coach, but I think that could shift around depending on what uh, what what Lane Kiffin or what what Hugh Freeze would want mm-hmm. uh, uh, Nick's to do. Uh, cur- currently, Auburn has a quarterback coach vacancy, right? Because that's what Philip that's what Philip Montgomery yes. was. Quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator is what has Derek, uh, has Derek, Montgomery was. I wonder if Derek Nix has ever coached. No, quarterbacks, no. Yeah. He played running back. He's coached running backs and receivers. He's been a very, very good recruiter. Right, and then uh, have he, you, you know, you know, he's you know his background. He is from uh, he's from Atala. He was 
the he preceded Cadillac as the running back there at Etowah High School. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And a lot of schools. His brother Tyrone played at, played at Southern Miss. I know. Yeah, Ty, I know yeah. Tyrone. Tyrone. Yeah. Tyrone. Very very good defensive coach. Been a defensive coordinator at a few places. Uh, a lot of people thought that Derek. A lot of schools recruited Derek as a linebacker, thinking he'd follow in Tyrone's shoes. And uh, Derek wanted to prove that he was a running back, very good running back at Southern Miss. And uh, th- then then moved on over to Ole Miss and has been there since 2008. So, so let me ask you this. With, with, uh, with talk of Auburn being interested in Derek Nix, do you think – I mean, we got there, – there's Cadillac and there's Marcus Davis, Davis. right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. – I mean, there's, there's, would there be questions about – Well, there, there'd have to be some movement somewhere. And that, that's, I think, what uh, what Ferg was talking about a little while ago and, and everybody that, that covers Auburn is, like, waiting to see. Don't think it's just going to be one more or just a plug here and something. They're going to be some more movement. There's, and, there's, and there's also, I think, worth pointing out, there's also multiple NFL vacancies where they're going to have yep. to assume, like the, the new coaches for – how many Drew? How many teams right now in the NFL don't have coaches with Seattle? I think. Well, I guess. I guess New England would make six. Yeah, possibly. And, and that means Tennessee, there are Atlanta, spots on those staffs and Vegas. A, a lot of guys might think, "Hey, here's an opportunity for me not have to be recruiting every single day." Right. So, so you could be looking at upwards of six, maybe even eight. And I think there's also. I would not rule out the chance that a team that loses a playoff game fires a coach in response to that. There's talk that maybe Dallas, maybe Philly, so so that you know there, there's there's a lot that could change there too. We're running behind. Got to get to our first break. Yellowhammer, hang on. You'll be up when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. Back on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 525 here on this Thursday evening. And let's get back to the drive hotline sponsored by Skybar and Yellowhammer's been hanging on. Hey, Yellowhammer. Hey, afternoon. So, uh, talking about Saban in Alabama, uh, I want to get to that. But first, I'm going to backfill on that. Hey, I tell you what, hold hold on just a second. Okay. Um, Because, all right, Jason was here. Jason was here yesterday breaking news. Jason had Jason Caldwell, our good friend, has uh, posted that Wesley McGriff has had a change of heart and will be staying at Auburn. He said it's not a done deal yet, but it looks like that's going to happen. Man, the the as the as the coaching whatever round table turns is uh, is really interesting. So so now Auburn Auburn has an abundance of coaches with secondary experience because that's Charles Kelly's forte. Along with Crime Dog and Zach Etheridge. So, all right. Sorry about that, Yellowhammer. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, oh, that's fine. Uh, I was glad to hear that. Um, and that sounds good that we've got people uh, very familiar with the secondary because I believe that's a very difficult position to play because it takes so much uh, quick recognition and so on. And uh, so, people who can do, and that's the game now. Pass, pass, pass. Oh yeah. <laughs> But anyway, to my point, uh, which is about Alabama and Saban, uh, but I wanted to go back to the year 2020. We have 
COVID and all the problems that caused. And then we have two new teams, or I guess two new teams, coming into the league, and there's that kind of confusion. And then we have the NLL and the transfer portal and all of that. And it, that stuff, all that stuff is so impactful and happening so fast, it's got to have every coach in the country's heads spinning. Oh, you're <laughs> right. I mean, just the 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 change, the pressure, the the every day uh, you, you've got to be uh, recruiting, re-recruiting your own guys and being aware of who's getting what and who may not be happy with what they're getting. I mean, it it is so much more than just, you know, managing the in the old days of how you managed your team. So I'm thinking that this has been very much on Nick Saban's mind over the last few years as all this has been unfolding. And I can't help but think that he might have thought way before his announcement that at the end of this season I'm getting out, maybe back at the beginning of the season or even earlier, and he may have well told the uh, employers at the UA that uh, – I'm leaving and, and gave them really a lot of window to do something. They may already have somebody uh, and it's just waiting for whatever. It's, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, though, Yellowhammer, you might be right, but it's hard to keep a secret. More like than, that. Like, well, I, yeah. well, it's hard to keep any secret when three people know it. That, well, that's true. If you start, especially if Alabama was spending, you know, if they, if they if they were interested in anyone who's currently employed elsewhere in college football – um, agents and what have you that might be, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I, uh, I, I, I look, I think maybe Alabama knew before uh, four o'clock yesterday. I, I wonder how much ahead, though. But, I mean, but Nick I really Sa- do. Nick Saban did not want his players finding out from anyone but himself. And I think that limits who he's able to tell mm-hmm. uh, before before he tells his now, before he tells now, his locker room. A good athletics director is going to have a list that he is constantly updating as to who he wants. And he's may may have you know many occasions where he's hoping he doesn't have to go to that list, but you'd better have that and be prepared just in case because you never know. Uh, but he's but yeah, number one. Uh, yeah, so I'm I I'm I'm not convinced that there was a lot of advance advanced knowledge. Yellowhammer, we got to run. We're we're getting close to our okay, bottom of the hour. Thanks. Yeah, want to get in another call or so before we get there. We have a pre-recorded interview with Dylan Cardwell, so we can wait a couple of minutes for that and talk to Specter. Hey, Specter. Hey guys. Well, let me let me uh, wish you a safe trip, Bill. Well, thanks, Specter. Okay. Uh, listen. Um, how many coaches did we go through at Alabama before we got to Nick Saban after Bear retired? Well, there was there was Ray Perkins. Uh, I mean, you had I go the, backwards. Shula Price. Yeah, I was going to say you had the Fran. mics. Dubose. Yeah. Yeah. Shula Price, I mean, Fran, Dubose. Who was before Dubose? Stallings. Stallings and Perkins, right? Stallings and Perkins. Per- per- Curry and Perkins. Yeah, yeah. Curry, I forgot. Yeah. Curry. How could I yeah. forget Bill Curry? Yeah, how many do you think we'll go through before we get the replacement for Saban? Well, Auburn hopes that it's uh, something similar to that. I mean, look at Flo- <laughs> look at Florida since since uh, Urban Meyer. Yeah, look at Tennessee after yeah. after Fulmer. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for more six in a row Auburn wins over Alabama. Well, like uh, someone pointed out, I mean, a- after Bear after Bear Bryant retired, Auburn won uh, four SEC titles in the next seven years. So, so Bill Ful- Fulmer was at Tennessee about 17 years, just about as long as Saban right. was at Alabama. Won 
at least one national championship there. He won a title, a couple conference titles as well. After he left, what, you go Kiffin, Dooley, Butch, uh, uh, Pruitt, uh, now, now they're now, now Heupel. Now they're yeah. Heupel in the in the in the sixteen seventeen years since uh, s- since uh, Fulmer stepped down. So it's not it's not always easy, even in nope. superpowers. I mean, you to know, replace look, a legend. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you look at Texas. I mean, you you can look at a lot of the the uh, power schools, and when when one of the best there step down, it's tough. This is this is the best that we've seen. Um, you know, in, in the modern era of, I mean, since, since we get to playoffs and things like that, there's no question. Nick Saban is, is the best. All right. Let me change subject. Cause I, right. I don't want to talk about Alabama too much. Sure. Uh, listen, uh, where we stand on, uh, Damian Craig, uh, Traveris Robinson. Well, T Rob obviously right now is wondering what his future is going to be. Since uh, since Nick Saban is retiring, but the news that Wesley McGriff is coming back, there's there, you're, yeah. you're you're getting full if you're not overflowing right now now, with Charles, secondary coaches. Charles Kelly has coached linebackers in his college football career, but it's been a while. Josh Aldridge is also a linebackers Josh coach. Josh Aldridge who is, is also on the li- staff is also a linebackers coach, but I guess you can divide inside, you know, in, interior, uh, well, out, inside would, and outside. But well, Robinson would be a candidate for. For DC, right? Yeah, but usually, I mean, it's very rare for a, a defensive coordinator not to coach one of the positions. Yeah, well, there's always something different. Uh, well, where where we stand about the on the offensive line? Are we getting any more portal people in here? Or, I haven't heard much. About I the have not. Line. No, I, I haven't either. I mean, the 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 guy that Auburn was hoping to hear from, Percy Lewis, from Mississippi State who had told everybody he'd make a decision this past Sunday or Monday, looks like he's visiting Tennessee this weekend. So, no, I Auburn, that uh, doesn't look good to me when, when a player continues yeah. to visit other schools. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I think there's a lot of fours and fives that are coming from Alabama going into the portal. Uh, you're, you're right about that. I mean, uh, uh, I, 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 do, I do expect that um, most, most players at Alabama, um, if not personally – People they know have heard from quite a few schools, including Auburn, that they'd be very interested. Yeah, I wouldn't be hurt by having an ex-Alabama player on the uh, There are a lot of those guys at Auburn wish they could have gotten in the first place. Exactly right. All right, well, I guess I'm stuck with Dan next week, right? Only for two days, Specter. Yeah, Dan's out of town too. <laughs> yeah, the Trojans Trojans are going to Texas I'm telling next you, week. I'm telling you, Dan, I'm telling you this. Troy is going to nab you up and we're going to be the you're not going to be with us very long i can see that coming no stop it barry mcknight does an excellent job yeah. as the director of broadcasting for the troy trojans i'm, I'm happy to uh, uh to do my uh, do my job with the with the women's basketball team how about a, well, a they, i didn't mention i didn't mention this on the show yet specter 90 to 44 victory for the troy trojans last night over louisiana a 46 point win largest uh, margin of victory 
in uh, in the history of Sunbelt play for the Trojans. Other, other games more than most most Troy's ever won a conference game by in uh, in, in school. I'll, I'll tell you what may happen, uh, Specter. I mean, uh, Coach Don Dunn's going to be in tomorrow and stop it? and and Tuesday. So Wally Dan Pitt. and I, Dan and I are going to come back, and it's going to be the drive with Don Dunn. Yeah, and we're not going to get Tom yeah. Brady'd by Don Dunn. <laughs> All right, and we're going to be working the. We're going to have to be smoking we're, the meat. That's right, we will. We're going to be smoking the meat behind countries while Don's doing our show. We're not letting that happen. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'll give I'll give Tex a heads up. It might be me and Terry moving in. Oh man. Well, you know, I never, I never know what to expect when we get when I get back in the country next week. All right, we have to, we'd have to lift the lifetime bans at the radio station for both of you before we can let you uh, host host the show. Oh. Hey, it's great, okay. great, to, great to hear from you, bud. Take care. See you later. See you. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break, then our weekly tiger takes. As Jacob Goins from On the Line was able to speak with Dylan Cardwell earlier today because Auburn basketball team practicing right now as they get ready for LSU coming in Saturday afternoon. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive on this Thursday. It's time now for our weekly Tiger Take segment brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. And earlier today, Jacob Goins spent some time with Auburn Senior Center, Dylan Cardwell. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 as I talk with Auburn Center, Dylan Cardwell from Auburn Basketball, joining us for Tiger Takes on ESPN 106.7. Dylan, thanks so much for your time, man. I know you got uh, practice going on later tonight, and so we appreciate your time today. Yes, sir. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. Coming off of a nice victory for you and this Auburn basketball team at home on this past Tuesday night, you take down Texas A and M sixty six to fifty five. And you know, going into the game, Dylan, we know and kind of understood the the history between these two programs and these two head coaches. Of course, your head coach Bruce Pearl and Buzz Williams over at Texas A and M. What did it mean to get a big win like this at home on Tuesday? Yeah, we just know that historically, you know, Texas A&M has been amazingly coached by Buzz. And, you know, they've they've had our number these past few years. They beat us two out of the last three times at home. Um, they beat us, I think, mean, eight out of the last ten times in general. They just, you know, they've been ready to they've been ready to play against us. And like, we just don't match up well against them, I guess. And they're just always excited to play. They play hard for forty minutes, no matter if they're down or they're up. They're just a hard team to compete against. So we just knew that you know we want to change change the um, change the narrative this year and kind of just set the tone by giving us a hard fought win. Um, we got into the scout report. We made sure that the two guards didn't beat our two guards, and uh, we just made sure that we built, built a wall and really just locked into the scout report. This, this this game really meant a lot. Um, probably our most important of the win of the year so far, just because we just know how much it. First of all, we know how important it is to remain two and start two and zero in SEC play and separate yourself from the rest of the league as well as be a good Texas a team. Well, the crowd was there on Tuesday night. I think it was the best crowd we've had yet. I mean, the most packed out one in Neville Arena. And that tends to happen when SEC play starts, Dylan. 
Yeah, it meant a lot to me because it was very reminiscent of, you know, um, my sophomore year, we never won the country. You know, those fans were fans were in the standing room only two out of four the game. That's just something you don't really see other places. So I'm just very grateful for the Auburn family showing up and showing out because if it wasn't for them, we probably, you know, we probably don't win that game. I feel like um, I feel like the jungle scared them a little bit, and I'm just grateful that we had the jungle to lean on. Well, we, we've talked about this quite a bit, us and just everybody who, who covers this Auburn basketball team. The depth on this team is unbelievable. I mean, it really is something I have not seen in college basketball in a long, long time. I mean, you have four – I mean, you have – nine to ten players that are getting double-digit minutes each and every night, you're included in that, Dylan. What does it mean to be able to have all of those guys who you can rely on night in and night out? Yeah, it just shows, you know, uh, first of all, the amazing recruiting that DP and staff have done because at the end of the day, it's, it's impossible to play, you know, 40 games and have your best player play the best game every single game. Right. So just having that depth to, to, to be there and pick people up whenever they're down, that's really important and some people have it every night and some people don't, but we just have so much depth where if one person doesn't have it, that's okay. Next man up. Dylan, you went three of three from the floor the other night. You grabbed five total rebounds, one offensive, four defensive, had two assists. You had a steal the other night too, man, with six total points. And want to to, to get your thoughts about that Texas A&M team on the rebounding side because going into it, they were the best offensive rebounding team in the country. How do you go into a game and, and look, they, they proved it the other night too. They got some, some fantastic offensive boards, but how do you prepare for a team like that and really fight with them for 40? minutes yeah to be honest I just don't think you can I don't think you prepare for a team like that you know they 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 send five guys to the offensive rebound um there's nothing you can do to prepare about that obviously we locked in on it mentally the coaching staff made it a point you know that if we don't if we're not drawing fouls or if we're not fouling in general on these checkouts then we might as well not even show up to play because like we want, we got to set the tone with these guys. They still, even after a couple fouls, even after a couple physical plays, they were still crashing the board heavy. But there is just no way to, um, in my personal opinion, there's no way to really prepare for a team that sends five physical, athletic, and fast guys to the board. So that's like just a, a credit to them and um, their coaching staff. And they also out rebounded us by like 10, 10 rebounds as well. I think it was 43 to 33. But um, they're just an amazing, amazingly coached team and, and so disciplined when it comes to offensive rebounding and. There's just really no way to stop them from doing that. They're relentless. I mean, rebounding, in my opinion, Dylan, it comes down to to effort and uh, to just to, to wanting it more, really. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And they they clearly had some plays where they wanted it more, and that's just something we got to get, get past and it's something that we have to just um, really learn how to, I guess, adapt to. Auburn takes down Texas A&M on Tuesday night, 66-55. to And I asked your head coach, BP, this in his uh, post-game press conference. Going into the under-four timeout in the second half, this was a two-point game. And all of a sudden, you look up at the end and you win by 11. I mean, that's strong when you can uh, put on that type of performance down the stretch. Yeah. I, like I said, I just think Jungle had a big part to do with that. You know, they were loud. Um, obviously, a lot of the time, Blue Fries on the line, so – it was a different vibe, but um, they were ready to they were ready to go from the jump, and I just feel like it's very hard to play here a, a close game down to the wire when you have such a, a dangerous, you know, a dangerous crowd. Yeah, and, and Chad Baker, Chad Baker made some amazing plays on the um on the on our on our on our full court pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some turnovers, and they just they just we just made plays down the stretch. So 
thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. And look, Auburn fans were impressed uh, with another win uh, in the SEC. You guys are now 2-0 and on the season. And, of course, you welcome in LSU this Saturday. We'll get to that in just a second. Talking with Dylan Cardwell here on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Basketball Center for Tiger Takes here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm sure Bill and Dan have talked to you about this, but I, I, I'm curious for my own personal uh, you know, thoughts here. What's your relationship with Janai Brew? Because you guys are, you know, one comes out, the other comes in. There is little to no drop-off. I mean, it is so powerful to have two five guys, right, two five position players that can come in and dominate on the boards, dominate down low, offensively and defensively. And we know that at times in basketball, it's kind of tough to split minutes depending on the mentality of players. But what's your relationship right now with Janai Broom as we get into SEC play? Yeah, me and I, we realized that, you know, it's a maturity thing, and we kind of realized that we need each other rather than, you know, competing against each other. We realized that, you know, each of our minutes is, is as much as important as the others. And last year, we didn't have that relationship, you know what I'm saying? It was, and it was both of us, you know. Neither of us were really mature enough to, like, spend that time off the court supporting each other and hanging out. But this year, we realized, you know, when you spend two years with somebody, you get to really know somebody. And we became really good friends over these past, you know, two years. And there's no animosity, no jealousy. We're we're each other's biggest fans, and that all started, I want to say, when we played New York. Um, okay. I had a game with free throws, and Janai was, you know, my biggest fan. And I returned in energy, and ever since then, we kind of realized that, you know, we need each other to win. It seems like that's throughout the entire team, though, is it not, Dylan? Because it's that same situation, one through five, on this team where one person comes out and somebody else comes in and the minutes are split so well. I mean, that seems to be the trend throughout this entire team is just really supporting and a lot of love here, man. Yeah, I agree. I think it all started with uh, Chad and Simo, you know. Okay. They were the first first unit to do that. Um, They split minutes, but they're always – Cheering for each other, like the other one's not playing. Just seeing that was just amazing. So, you know, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of heart, a lot of love, and really just you know, uh, attitude of humbleness um, to really just to get that done. And we all saw from their example, and we just decided we're all going to pitch in. Well, it seems to be working for you guys right now as Auburn again uh, gets the win over Texas A&M, 13-2 overall this season, 2-0 in conference play, and you get another home game this weekend on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, really, inside of Neville Arena as the 10-5, 2-0 in conference LSU Tigers come to town. Dylan, what can you tell us about this LSU team? Yeah, we're still our first day covering them in today's practice, so we don't know much, but I just know they have this one point in the order that's got eligible Mm -hmm. um, and he's just a game changer. Um, I know he averaged probably like 17 or 18 points per game. Um, probably a good shooter. Um, and they have a nice big man as well. So they have some, they have decent depth. I think they're the top six or seven, eight guys, in my personal opinion, from Washington against Texas A&M. They're really hard. They're really, they're really hard to guard. They're pretty hungry. And I just think it's going to be another physical, you know, rubber match kind of game. Yeah, does it does it help you the fact that the team that you just played, Texas A&M, had just played this LSU team, so it's all kind of right here together in these last week or so? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we don't get too caught up in who plays who, but right. I like to. Uh, it was it was good to see, you know, how uh, A&M fared against LSU. Um, but I think we I think we played a, a, a hungrier LSU team. They weren't the same team. I mean, hunger hunger Texas A&M team. They weren't the same team when they played LSU. But uh, it should be good to see the scout today. 
Well, well, Dylan, let me ask you this. Something that Bruce Pearl has talked about a lot this year, and, and I think you guys have been doing this the past couple of games, but early on in non-conference play, he had talked about, you know, you guys have not put two halves together, right, into 40 minutes of basketball. But I'll go ahead and say, and maybe answer for him, that Texas A&M game was 40 minutes of basketball. While it may not have been your best performance of the year, you had to play for 40 minutes to win that game. And if you continue to do that, man, I think good things are going to happen here. Yeah, I agree. I think we probably put, I think we probably put thirty good minutes of basketball together. That first ten minutes of the second half was just the first four or five minutes of the second half was just unbearable to watch. You know, we we blew an eight point lead really quick and had careless turnovers. You know, didn't box out foul too much. It was just it was awful. But you know, we're learning. We're becoming more disciplined as days go by. And um, as like you said, the more half, the more time, I guess, the more the times we uh, put these halves together, we're going to be a pretty good team. As you start with and start really getting into SEC play, you've got two wins under your belt. You're hoping to make it three. Does anything change in the world of Dylan Cardwell when it comes to preparation or practice or keeping up with your body and your mind, right? Anything change as the calendar flips to the new year and that you start getting into SEC play where we know uh, seasons are made and break? Uh, not really. Uh, I just really focus on where I can control and just be where my feet are. Um, you know, just thinking too much about being ranked or thinking too much about, you know, national championships or championships in general or make or break games just doesn't do you any well. Um, so, you know, it's not up to us to figure out the future, but just stay present and be where our feet are. And that's kind of what I've learned, you know, with um, in my maturity, I guess, of being number one before. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were so focused on being number one, and then we got number one, and we banged her almost lost the first day we got against Missouri. So, at the end of the day, a ranking doesn't give you a banner, doesn't give you a championship, it doesn't give you – it barely even gives you notoriety, you know what I'm saying? It's only there for a little bit, so – um, nothing really changed for me. No, I just I'm, I'm still playing like we're unranked, and that's how that's how I feel like the whole team should address this. Is like we should still be hungry as if we're unranked. A very humble response and something I think Auburn fans are going to like. That's why you're one of the uh, the fan favorites on this team, Dylan. And uh, as always, we appreciate you. Your message to to the Auburn fans as the Auburn Tigers hosting LSU this weekend, Saturday, five o'clock inside of Neville Arena. Classes are back in. Students will be there. But what's your message to the Auburn family? War Eagle, um, let's keep working and, you know, let's not get too high and not get too low, but just keep on showing up to these games and we'll keep on showing out for y'all. Dylan Cardwell, Auburn Basketball Center, joining us here on ESPN 106.7 for Tiger Takes. Tiger Takes proudly presented each Thursday at 5.30 by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. I want to say thanks again to uh, to Jacob for picking up the slack here and, and doing the Tiger Takes interviews when, oh, yeah, uh, when with, scheduling conflicts. With Dylan and, and the team practicing. You, you can catch Tiger Takes here on the drive, and, and we hope people really uh, appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Justin – was checking in from practice. Dylan recording that ahead of time. So so we had both of our regular Thursdays uh, on, but they were both at practice as well. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. Uncle T-Bone here. Do you wake up in the morning?